I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. The Bucks over the Hawks, 2-1 to now. They're up in the series. Trey's hurt, though, and the odds looking good for Milwaukee. 90% chance to advance. Chauncey Billups in at Portland, but Dame Lillard saying maybe he wasn't properly consulted. We'll get to that. And tonight, Phoenix has a chance to have their first trip to the finals in 30 plus years. They're a big favorite over the Clippers. We'll cover it. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas. Your host, RJ Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live on a Monday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. It's one of those classic, okay, we had the weekend, what did we learn? And we got a game tonight, so we're not messing around in the NBA. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have a possible elimination game coming up later on tonight. And we've got an injury issue in the Eastern Conference Finals. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? I should say I'm going to have a best bet, a full best bet on tonight's game. I'll be about 645 Eastern. But I think we start with yesterday's big win by Milwaukee and Quite frankly, I think it's uh, interesting how big of a favorite Milwaukee is uh, being up only 2-1 in the series. Yeah, after falling down one games to none to the Atlanta Hawks and losing the opener in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks have now won two straight. Last night, they get it done on the road in Atlanta, 113-102 the final. The Bucks with a 2-1 series lead. So, Jonas, can you? when I open this Coke Zero, can you hear it? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. I just want to let you know is the energy <laughs> level is going to be nice and robust for the entire sh- Well, Coke Zero gets me about 40 minutes, I'd say, of good energy. Is that Now, you're kind of a health nut. Is, is, is Coke Zero or any sodas, is that part of the food groups? How does that work? And no, because it's too much carbonation on the air, so I feel like I would be burping. So I just go, uh, yeah, I it go takes, water Listen, it takes discipline to avoid yeah. that. That's where the discipline comes in. Yeah, and, and, and the <laughs> cough button, I think, also helps in those situations. Yeah, All right. <laughs> so to me, the story of yesterday's game, I think there's a story for each team. Let's start with Milwaukee. It's Middleton, a player who, quite frankly, in the playoffs historically has not been amazing, and especially on the road. There's been such a home road split, and to go on the road, Middleton to shoot 58%, to shoot 50% from three, 38 points, his plus minus plus 16. So when he's on the court, his team outscored the opponent. Milwaukee over Atlanta by 16. Middleton, to me, was the story. And the question is, how repeatable is it? Uh, Did something 
happen, a flip of the switch that now Middleton gets it on the road? Or do we look at the history and say, hey, great game, puts him in the driver's seat, but don't expect it to repeat? I'm kind of tending towards don't expect it to repeat. But still, when you're one additional series away, meaning they win this series and they won one more to win the title, repeatable doesn't matter anymore, right? As you get closer to the finals, it's more about how many wins they've got than can they repeat it. I still think it's far enough away, six wins to go from Milwaukee to win the title, that you say hat tip to Middleton, I'm not sure it's repeatable. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just think this is going to be a flawed NBA playoffs, and Milwaukee's a flawed team, and we've talked about it, how they've they've been in contention, and they've been on the doorstep of of seemingly this is going to be their year, and then they they show up, and they play a Brooklyn team, and if not for the injuries that were happening in that series, and if James Harden and or Kyrie Irving were healthy, I don't know that we're seeing Milwaukee at this point. I I think Brooklyn wins that series so I don't know that this is you've got to depend on Chris Middleton and all of a sudden we change what we've seen in the past from him I think we're going to continue to see sort of a roller coaster with Milwaukee Um, in late game situations I think it's still very possible he was great yesterday in the fourth quarter but based on everything we've seen over the past couple of years I don't think that you trust him but that doesn't mean that it's still not enough in a flawed NBA playoffs this year for them to be able to get to the NBA finals and win it so when you say flawed you mean that no team is perfect and thus uh, even an imperfect team like Milwaukee has a good chance where in some years the level of play is so high yeah. the imperfections of Milwaukee would be uh, fatal at certain points. It almost feels like whoever's less imperfect, if, that, if yes. that's even a term that you can use, is going to be the winner of this year's uh, NBA Finals. I've always been good at being less imperfect. I've never been good <laughs> at being perfect. Now, <laughs> at 20 after the hour here today – We're actually going to look at these playoffs. We did some original research, Jonas, and what did we do? We said, okay, let's look at where a team was ranked by Vegas entering the playoffs. So 1-16 to as in favorite to win the title. Now, with the final four teams, where were their rankings? And we're going to compare these final four teams to the rankings entering the playoffs of every team since uh, MJ retired the first time post-Bulls. And this year is special. I'll just say like that. 20 after the hour, we'll get into it. Now, along the lines of more of the same, Giannis, another strong game. I mean, he's uh, over 50% from the field. Only took two threes and made one of them. And, you know, fill up the stat sheet otherwise. He had 11 rebounds in total and 33 points. So if it weren't for... A lot of debate about too many threes early in the playoffs. I mean, Giannis has had a monster playoffs. If we just would be ranking players on playoff performance, I don't think it's possible that Giannis isn't top three or four. Where where would you have him? Yeah, no, I think he's been awesome. I I mean, if you just looked at the point totals, if you just looked at the box scores of these games, uh, you would go, man, this guy seems like he's in the 30-plus range every single game. But that doesn't tell the whole story because it's the late-game situations. It's the stuff at the foul line. uh, It's the series and critical moments against Brooklyn in which I think tell uh, the bigger story, not just what the statistics say. Okay, so field or free throws, I agree with you. And even yesterday, 6 of 13. Now, I'm, I'm just doing this quick in my head. That's below 50%. 6 of 13, not good. 
So your point is, hey, there was a couple of close games against Brooklyn where Giannis seemed to be seizing up again, where uh, the pressure seemed to hurt him. You're saying the free throws are still a problem. So, yeah, maybe they'll get past those problems. But if against more likely Phoenix, they have a couple of close games late, you're not anxious to be back in Giannis. No, I just it's the same thing with Middleton. I mean, how many times do we have to see these guys, you know, go from really great performance, uh, fantastic job, you know, survive a game seven and then come out game one and fall apart against the Hawks in this series? Like, I just I don't don't know. But the question isn't I mean, the Lakers have done that too a bunch. The question is, what were they doing game six and seven? And I think our point that we agree on is against Brooklyn, though they won game seven uh, or the game seven they it was more that Brooklyn lost it that, that, that if anything Milwaukee had a chance to make it not a close game but the pressure the feel free throws made it where it was an inch or two on a last shot from KD in regulation and they could have lost and you're saying if they keep playing with fire you don't like them if it's game seven Chris Paul on one side Giannis on the other four minutes left tie game and it's in Phoenix, because it would be if it is Phoenix in the finals, you're saying you want Phoenix in that spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I tend definitely. to agree with you. I, yeah. Now, the question I've got, though, and maybe, McKenzie, during the break, you can look at some of the one-number stats like PER, and maybe just one of them is fine. PER is fine. Is Giannis's PER for the two prior playoffs, both of them great Milwaukee regular seasons, disappointing playoffs and now his PR in the playoffs for this one. So we'll compare the three years. I'm thinking he's playing better. Now, does that preclude that the things that limited him and Milwaukee in the past and seem to still limit them late game stuff, free throw stuff that won't be the case just because he's playing better in other spots. No, I don't. I, I think you're right. It's still an issue, but I do think it's interesting that maybe it's not being reported and talked about as much that Giannis is playing better, even though that doesn't address totally the late game questions. And let me ask you something about the late game other than free throw shooting and other than the sense of, and maybe you can refine this, that Giannis is going to have trouble initiating the offense. He's the type of guy that gets his points in flow. He gets his points in transition. But when it becomes a half-court game late in the playoff games, he is not near the player. Is that what we're talking about or something else? Yeah, I just I don't look at him as the ultimate closer. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that you look at him like a Durant. Um, you know, for you look sure at not. him as one of those guys that's just going to close the game out. I mean, if not for Middleton, who knows what happens in that game last night because Milwaukee was trailing heading into the fourth and, and Middleton and that was after the Trey Young injury so Atlanta couldn't get anything going they couldn't get their shots to fall and and Chris Middleton had a monster fourth quarter in which he himself outscored Atlanta 20-17 to 17. so it's not like it was because of you know Giannis that they took over a big game on the road that was Chris Middleton again who had to step up in that moment and so I just I still think there's some question marks about, about Giannis late. Yeah because it's not so much Giannis has to always step up. It's that someone is, has to step up, and it's hard to count on Middleton based on history. And that's why MJ usually didn't account for or didn't count on uh, pick your player other than Pippen to step up when the pressure – he didn't say, we lost that game because Kerr wasn't hitting his shots. No, it was Michael's 
And to me, he's the ultimate winner, at least in the modern era of basketball. I wasn't around for Bill Russell. But MJ would have the other players help, especially later in his career, when it was appropriate. But it was his responsibility. And what you're saying is if it's Giannis's responsibility, he we haven't seen from him yet that he can live up to that. And we can't expect Middleton to do it. And what we can't expect for sure is Holiday. Because whatever you want to say about his defense, and, which is strong. And he had the, the one scoring game that was strong, two for 11. Uh, I mean, just he, he's had a bad offensive playoffs. And that's it. There's, I mean, there's no one else you can count on. Uh, you know, Middleton, Holiday, Giannis is the big three in this case. And we'll say that in quotes. I do think it's interesting as we transition to Atlanta is how the rules of winning in basketball in the playoffs, one of them is you don't count on a small player physically. And you look at a Trey Young, and it was like, maybe those rules don't apply anymore. Maybe Trey Young can transcend those rules. But now we're saying, and maybe it's a coincidence, but especially you got a one-man team kind of who's smallish. And again, this is relative in the NBA. It doesn't feel like physically those players are able to keep it up and last the four seven-game series. And with Young, it was one given play that he hurt himself, but it feels like this is part of the reality of the NBA that to get through. Because as much as Trey Young's done a lot, he's won nine games, and you've got to win uh, 16. Yeah. So he's a little past the halfway mark. Imagine... This grueling series, like five more games in the finals, and now it's game six. You're down 3-2. That's almost like – and then the intensity increases, as you know, Jonas, as we progress. It's almost double the amount of grind that they've had up to this point. And you just wonder, can a small player do that without a lot of help? And maybe those rules are there for a reason regarding, like, Trey Young is surprising – uh, what he's done so far, but man, to get all the way through the next two rounds seems like a big long shot. Well, it's like when Allen Iverson got to the finals, they won that game one. The you know the big shot steps over Ty Lue, and and people are, were stunned because I don't think the Lakers had lost a game in that postseason up to that point. But then they get that one game, and that was it. I mean, it was all Lakers from there on out, and that was Iverson playing with you know a, a bunch of uh, you know guys that were just role players, and him willing them to get his far as possible and if I'm not mistaken that was also the five game series to open up the playoffs so I, I think you had five game series yeah. at that point so he didn't he didn't even have to play as many games but you still saw him when he got to the big stage against the Lakers he just couldn't you, you just couldn't rely on him to carry the load for any longer though amazingly that was the furthest he ever got never made yep. the finals otherwise which is again back to the idea that some would say and I love the NFL but basketball is unlike any sport. The NBA is unlike any sport. One is if you're on the court, there's nothing that you don't have to do. Meaning there's, you know, as we talk about, and we're going to do a big preview of the Clippers game against Phoenix tonight. But one of the things the Clippers are really having problems with is they've got guys that can play defense, but are negatives on offense. They got guys that are flipped, you know, positive offense, negative defense. And they don't have enough guys that can do both. And Kawhi is one of the ultimates that can do both. 
you know, at times one of the best defenders in the league, at times one of the best offensive players. And to have just even two of those, like you would have with you know, Paul George, you do. I mean, whatever you want to say about playoff P or whatever, he can play offense and defense. Now you can start having the, the transitions where, hey, we need some more offense. Let's go this way, small. Hey, we need some more defense. Let's go there. But if you have to do it for four or five of the players – it's so much tougher, and and it's really why one player can mean so much. And I would have, in hindsight, loved to see Phoenix and the Clippers with Kawhi because it would have been a different series. Not that it's yeah. over yet. Not that Jonas kind of egged me into a, a, a series bat. <laughs> on I don't. You know what's funny though, Jonas? All joking aside, as soon as the show was over, I started thinking, oh, I think I made a mistake. And I never <laughs> say. And listen, it's on me. It's always my decision. I never blame anyone else. I mean, but. But to me, what we're seeing is some of the fatigue. Yes. Um, and again, it's back to the idea of a small player or a thin team. And we'll get into that with the Clippers. So let's take our first break. We're going to talk about Trey Young and his injury and what the Vegas odds are saying about it. And we'll see if we can get a number on how Giannis has done in this playoffs compared to the prior two. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the I'm Arthur Bell. We are Straight Out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the NBA playoffs. Yeah, we'll finish the Atlanta discussion, and then we're going to talk about, and this is fascinating, how different are this year's playoffs when it comes to the chalk, when it comes to the favorites. And it is very different, like very with a capital V. It's a great day to join the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you and your support spreading the word. And we're going to keep working extra hard to deliver a great show to you. You can listen on 225 stations coast to coast. Just go to foxsportsradio.com. You can see where that station is if you don't know. Or you can just listen streaming right there here on the Strip. And Jonas, I got some feedback Someone said, RJ, you're always talking about it's 112, it's 106, but you're sitting in air conditioning, so just one time (laughs) as an homage, it is, you know, here on the Strip, but in my studio... It's 74 degrees, and the neon is flowing. So, RJ, we've been talking about Game 3 between the Bucks and the Hawks. It goes the way of Milwaukee, 113-102 the final. They have a 2-1 series lead. And, of course, one of the storylines afterwards was Trey Young rolling his ankle late in the third quarter. Uh, the Atlanta superstar, a little banged up, heading into Game 4. Let me ask you a question. A lot of times when you have a villain when you have the guy that, that likes to take, you know, draws the heat, as they say in wrestling, um, there really are a lot of people who don't like them. And you see that oftentimes when there's like a cultural shift. And, you know, it's Ali who was, you know, the conscientious objector. And a lot of the conservatives were like anti-Ali, though eventually he won most people over. And it does feel like it's generational oftentimes, political oftentimes. But with Trey Young, I've seen more like, you know, you got to give it to the kid and not a lot of real like 
maintaining of the disdain. I think there was a lot of disdain for him even three months ago. It feels like he's won everyone over pretty quick. Or not everyone, but a lot of people over. Is that your sense, too, that for someone that supposedly is a villain, uh, other than the opposing fan base for any given series, it doesn't feel like he has a, a lot of haters? Yeah, no, it, it also I think he's really fun to watch. So just ah. his style of play and sort of what he what he brings, um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's, you know, a different look uh, in this postseason, because with no Steph Curry, you don't have that type of player in the playoffs. So he does stand mm. out a little bit this year. Um, and I also think, you know, he became. I don't know if it's a sympathetic figure, but, you know, when he got, you know, reportedly spit on and some of the stuff they were chanting at Madison Square Garden, I wonder if people started to rally around. Him uh, a little bit more. I think receding hairline is is, is OK. I, yeah, I don't think I mean, that's out of bounds. <laughs> now, the spitting, yes. But, you know, that's interesting because when you mention uh, Steph, the theory is if someone looks at Giannis, they're like, I can't even dream of being Giannis, but I yeah. can dream of being Steph. And you're saying Trey Young physically is within range of a, a normal human, and thus he's more relatable. Yeah, I and and look, it's it, that was one of the big things that Steph Curry always had was. Yeah. Oh, it's not that far fetched to think. Okay, well, you know, I, I'm under, you know, six uh, three, and maybe I could hit twenty five footers, or I've tried half court shots for fun. I've tried. I mean, Trey, some of these shots Trey Young is taking, um, you know, like the the move he made in the first game where he, you know, uh, crossed up. I've, I might have been Drew Holiday, and then he did like a shimmy and then shot a three. Yeah. Nobody, nobody else is doing that in this year's playoffs. It it does feel. I don't know if, if, if a, a bigger NBA basketball, but it does feel like it's, it's not really a small guy's game right now. And Trey oh, yeah. Young really is the only guy in the postseason who plays that style. Well, when you say what style, though, because, I mean, Chris Paul, obviously, is one of the laments on Paul has been the reason he hasn't been able to, you know, last four series is his slightness, uh, you know, not so much he's not kind of spark plug-ish as in he's robust, but he's he's a short He's a short NBA player. So are you talking about just his shortness or are you talking about the flair? That the, flair the flair. Yeah. Because Chris Paul, like when I watch Chris Paul play, doesn't it remind you of a throwback? Back yeah, it when, reminds like, you of an guard. old man's game at the Y. Yes, yeah, 100%. And so when I watch Chris Paul play, it just reminds me of watching, you know, Mark Jackson or John Stockton or some of these other, you know, these other players who were really true point guards who were looking to pass first instead of shoot. <laughs> Trey Young's the opposite. He's trying to get a shot off and he's trying to put up as many points as he can possibly. The, though to me, Chris Paul is a little too athletic. Boris Diaw is usually my reference, but <laughs> okay, but yes. but you know I hear what you're saying. But I will say this though, and I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. The idea of doing the shimmy before you make the shot, right? It, yeah. it strikes me as that's everything old school guys <laughs> don't like. Yes, right. Yeah. And then you know the play that's been getting a lot of attention was the throw off the backboard. Uh, in a recent game and it worked out totally but it was like you know almost like something you would expect if you're up by 15 with two minutes left and it's back to the and, and Steph got some of this too is are for is the flare costing you efficiency are you not quite the same player because you're trying to interject the flare in spots it doesn't go and I think that's a valid concern but I also think you could make the case that whatever you lose on those plays the sense of freedom the sense of because I do think the worst thing 
you can have in a big game is nervousness, is yeah. not being willing to take. And, and you see that oftentimes with a very uh, alpha type coach or a type coach. And Bill Cowher with the Steelers, I thought, had this effect. The, the team gets tight because he's tight. And those teams tend to underperform in the big spots. If you're throwing it off the backboard, yeah, you might have a slight loss of efficiency because of that. But man, oh, man, you're not tight. And, yeah. and, and maybe it's worth it. And, and I don't know off the top of my head I could do some quick math on this, but I, like, what's the home road split for the Atlanta Hawks? Because it does feel like they're more – I don't know if they're more comfortable on the road, but it does feel like of, of every series they've been in, they sort of welcome that sort of, hey, we got nothing to yeah, lose. Yeah, I think they're – I know they were on a 6-2 and two run. I'm yeah. not sure, sure if it's 6-3 and three at this point. Yeah. 6-3 and three on the road. I know that for sure. I'm just wondering at home because I don't think their record is as good at home. 3-3. Three and 3-3 three. Three and three these playoffs. Yeah. That's a big difference. That's so a- so real quick, let's talk a little bit about, because last week we talked about Young and said, you know, he's doing something at least to get to this point even that we haven't seen, kind of a one-man gang, and it just doesn't tend to work in the playoffs, especially if you're a smaller player. But let's not forget something. This Atlanta team, and one of the keys, and it speaks to Middleton specifically on Milwaukee, is – Hunter is a guy who's out at this point, and Hunter's a guy that could defend Middleton specifically, is what the people I respect say, and a guy that's got more offense. And right now, it feels like Atlanta's having to choose between being a sieve on, on defense and having some offense, or vice versa, you know, having some defense but no offense. And a guy like Hunter that most play people, and I'm not some expert on him, that isn't a very well-known player – being such a difference maker in this series. And you look at Bondanovich and, you know, he's not physically 100%. Yeah. Reddish isn't playing. Though they say he's back, it's just hard to get him integrated in the middle of a series like this when he's been out a while. It's like this Atlanta team is thinned out. So it's shocking that Atlanta, even if they were healthy to advance this far, it's even more shocking consider how thinned out they are. But we might have just reached a point that the toll, the physical toll on a small player like Young is just too much. And now, even if he does end up playing uh, on his bum ankle, it's still going to slow him down or it makes him more prone to another injury. So, Mackenzie, what, let's look at two things to wrap up this conversation. One is what the current number is on the series. We can look at the next game number and specifically with the next game number, let's guess how much of this assumes that Young plays and and assumes he doesn't play. What's the split? First of all, what is the series price? The Milwaukee Bucks are minus 1,500 favorites. The Hawks are plus 950 on the take back. Now think about this. It's two to one. It's held serve. I mean, it's home team one-two game. You know, uh, it's exactly right. Milwaukee was supposed to have won two games. They've won two games. And and, And what was the price coming into the series? Minus four fifty for the Bucks on the opening. So think about this. This is fascinating. We see this all the time. That it's two two going into Game Five, and home team obviously is home for Game Five, and uh, except the finals in years past. And so, what is the case then? What we think is the price is usually what it was before the series, but it's a little bit better for the home team by a smidge. 
And the rationale is there's only three games left and you got two home games, which is better than four out of seven. So usually if it's like minus 200 entering the series, home team, if it's 2-2 going into game five, it might be minus 240, 230. I mean, McKenzie, would you agree that's generally the case? Yeah, going into game five for sure. So explain to me, anybody, how we can say that Milwaukee's odds – now. One part is going to be Trey Young's uncertainty with his health, but it's not that uncertain. The idea that they've gone from, you know, almost tripled their lay price. Give those prices one more time. Milwaukee Bucks minus 1,500. Okay, 1,500 now, and and they were entering the series. Minus 450. So it's more than triple. Like, Jonas, is there, this is the market saying that that Milwaukee's got them figured out, and there ain't no move that Atlanta can make. I, yeah, it or and it just feels like maybe they're still not believers in the Atlanta Hawks. But why would they be any less believers? I mean, what I'm saying is Atlanta has held serve effectively. So why would they be held in any less regard than they were three games ago, which and, would have been entering the series? And I also think Atlanta's probably over has probably exceeded the expectations because they did win that first game. I think a lot of people expected a Milwaukee bounce back, but as we talked about, they were they were leading going into the fourth quarter of that game last night. That's like, what I'm I mean, saying. It, this is the market strange. saying we just don't think. And again, we told you the market was saying Kawhi wasn't going to play. You hear a lot of people saying maybe he'll come back, maybe he'll come back. Well, the market says he won't and it looks like now people are kind of giving up on that we'll see here this is the market either telling now have we had a line adjustment from the first grab we did after the game is this a move that might be some inside info slipping out about young more hurt let's look at the game so game four the line is currently bucks minus seven okay now what i've heard is if young was out it'd be minus eight all right, so the line in game three, which would be analogous, right? It's in Atlanta. The line in that game was? Bucks minus four and a half. Okay. So what we're saying is, Jonas, that at minus seven, there's going to be two and a half points of adjustment, though the zigzag would say the adjustment should be in favor of Atlanta. So I would have thought the sign would be four, and it's seven. Some of that is the Trey Young uncertainty. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you think Mackenzie the line closes at if Young is certain to play? Though he could be hobbled, I'm thinking it moves to maybe five, five and a half. What do you think? I was thinking six, yeah. Okay, I mean, so you, yeah. Oh, good. If you look at the opener, it was at six, and I thought the MRI report, the bone bruise, was a lot worse than people thought, and that's why I went from six to seven. Okay, so to me, I think the line in game four is going to be a leading indicator of Trey Young's health, and it, it really speaks to the fact that it could be as low as four if he was healthy, at least based on history and zigzag. The fact it's seven now shows that they believe the injury is meaningful, and the fact it's almost what it would be without him is pretty much saying Trey Young's only worth a point being on court because there's a chance he won't be on court. And if he is, he's going to be hobbled. And I don't know if it explains the entire series price of being so expensive for Milwaukee with over a 90% chance to make it the finals, even though they're only up 2-1. But a lot of pessimism for Atlanta on a lot of different fronts. Closing thoughts on this game, John. Do you, do you think it's more likely the line goes up or goes down? I think it's all about his health. 
Yeah. And my gut feeling is he's going to play. And people tend to overreact to that. They don't realize that a hobbled version of a player is sometimes not better than the replacement. So if I had to bet, I bet it goes down. But I think the value may be on Milwaukee at that point if Trey Young is hobbled. Because remember, when you're that short, it's like a guy like that usually doesn't play well as he gets older because once he slows down even a smidge, he can't do the physical things. And we saw Iverson's career went down fast once he lost his you know his physical edge. If the ankle causes him to be just a little slower, I think it affects a player that's small in stature more than another player. So I actually would not be looking to play Atlanta no matter what. I think the market will move according to the news, but I think they'll probably overvalue Trey Young regardless because I think him hobbled is limited more than a typical player. Now, we're going to talk about the idea of Giannis to wrap up the whole series. Giannis versus last year and versus the year before. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Giannis, by the way, surprising numbers here. Look at PER to judge a player. And this year he's having a great playoffs. He's the eighth highest PER player in the league. Last year, this is the playoffs now, he was second. And the year before that, he was fifth. So as much as Giannis is playing great, both relative to the league and raw number-wise, this is the worst playoffs Giannis has had. He's still eighth, but the worst. So it clearly, this level of play doesn't preclude Milwaukee from going down in flames. Something to consider. Last break, when we come back, two things. One, preview, and I got a best bet on this Clippers game. And number two, how unusual are the upsets in the playoffs? We've got the actual Vegas numbers on it. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences, low it with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. R.J., Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals comes up later on tonight, 9 Eastern time in Phoenix, where the Clippers are on the road trying to stave off elimination. And L.A. finds themselves six-point underdogs to the Phoenix Suns, just one game away, one win away, rather, from advancing to the NBA Finals. So the casual fans that just are looking at the scores saw an eye-popper in this most recent game with the Clippers, 
it was a score that looked like it was back in the Heat and the Knicks in the 90s, those kind of wrestling matches. Yeah. And the idea in this day and age, an 84-80 final, man, oh, man, it got some notice. And it's interesting to see the way the betting market has moved when it comes to the over-under total. Because if you look at game number one between these teams, and it's the combined points expected, it was one, uh, it was 221. And a half was expected in game one. So really what we're saying is both teams, like 121 to 100 would have gotten, you know, right near there. Or do the different ways you can go about it. 111, 110. Now to score 164 points, <laughs> wow. But the markets move big. So the, the totals have been up till today, the first four games, 221 and a half, 222 and a half, 221, 218 and a half. To 11 and a half, seven points down. At a 217, I like the under. We don't have a 217. But typically, what happens in a playoff series is that the more games that are played, the more the defenses get a feel for the offenses. Totals go down, pressure goes up, totals go down. Also, the further along in the playoffs we get from round one to two to three, there's more defense. So in general, the total should go down, but not this much. But here's another, and that's why I'm not betting it, because the market's adjusted enough. But here's my best bet, is if you notice, Chris Paul, since he's come back from COVID, has been much better in the first half. In fact, if you look at Phoenix, when Chris Paul has been on the floor in the first half, the last two games, since he's returned, Phoenix has outscored their opponents with Paul on the floor by 19 points, outscored the Clippers. In the second half, with Paul on the floor, they've been outscored by 31 points. So plus 19, minus 31. That is a drastic difference. So what are we going to do? I'm going to look at the Clippers in the second half. Now, you can bet this by itself in some spots. I think DraftKings has it. And the bet would be Clippers plus three. If you don't have the chance to play the second half by itself, you could wait till halftime and play it. Or you could do this. is You could bet Phoenix for the game. and uh, I'm sorry, check that. You would bet Clippers for the game and Phoenix for the first half for the same amount. And it's kind of a hedge. So however you get at it, I do. And what we're going to keep the record on is the cleanest one, Clippers plus three in the second half. Chris Paul being the main driver of that. Plus, I think there's one more factor, Jonas. I'd like to get your thought on this is if the Suns are up 14 or something in the third, the pressure is going to be, oh, my God, can you believe this? And I think that getting those last couple quarters in with the lead might be high pressure. I think that's – and the Clippers don't give up. So I kind of like that too. What do you think? Yeah, and I also think, would find it hard to believe that the Clippers would shoot as poorly as they did from three, uh, especially in that last game. I mean, we can sit, we can you know praise Phoenix for winning that game. Man, the Clippers had every opportunity to win that game or take a lead, and they couldn't do it. They just couldn't buy a basket. And we've made you've made the point before. It's a make or miss league. I just find it hard to believe they're not going to find a way to to get those baskets tonight, uh, just with the way they've shot all through, throughout the course of the regular. season season i mean if you, if you actually look at it booker was only eight of 22 in this last game so and and paul was six of 22 so the idea that that oh they can't they can't keep shooting poorly when it comes to phoenix uh, it's just not true and if you look at the threes it's almost shocking right cameron Payne or, or crowder was one out of six 
Paul was 0 for 3. Yeah. Booker was 0 for 5. So when the guy <laughs> takes the most from three in this game and your two stars are uh, four, one of 14 and you still win, <laughs> I mean, in a way that's good, in a way that's bad. But what I could say for sure is I think the Clippers are not going to give up. Thus, even if they get behind, I think the pressure Phoenix would have a fight back. So we will go with Clippers as a full best bet plus three in the second half. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com for a look back on game three between the Hawks and the Bucks and what it means moving forward. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific. It is straight out of Vegas. You can find us here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 